0: everybody, Jason Wood here, the VA loan guy with another episode of the Armed and Ready Podcast. We have a really exciting guest uh, on our show today, Doug Lito. Um he's got an awesome background. He's a Navy veteran doing some really cool stuff nowadays. Um, I think you're really gonna enjoy the show. So um, let's check it out. Doug, thanks for coming on, man, appreciate oh, it.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me, it's my pleasure.
0: So, um, you know, we talk a lot about um, veterans and service, And then that transition into the civilian life on the show and uh, try to share some stories and maybe some helpful hints and tips to our listeners. Um, So I want to just start out by getting to know you a little bit, you know, tell me a little bit about your background and your past and and your military career. And how did you even join the military? What was the motivation behind that?
1: Okay, for sure. For sure. Um, Well, it all started off. uh, My mom was a flight attendant. And she had a real passion for aviation. And she always was talking that I should be a pilot. And then Top Gun came out and and I thought, man, that is the coolest thing ever. I got an ROTC scholarship, went to Duke University. And then uh, I got selected into the pilot program, got commissioned as an officer. And I actually went through a 20 year career as a Navy jet pilot. It just flew by, I can't believe how fast time flies and I I just had a great career and then uh, before you know it uh, 20 years is over and uh, I'm out of the military and on to my next thing which is being an actor oh wow yes that's pretty cool yeah well
0: that's you know Top Gun movie and aviation is something we both have in common so that was my entire motivation for joining the military as well Um, just watching that movie and and wanted to be an aviator i didn't end up making it to pilot school but was in the air force and, and did that for about six years and got my private license so i flew airplanes but didn't get to fly the f-14 tomcat which was you know what all my book reports were on as a kid and you know all that stuff i was just a, totally a guru for that and and still to this day love just like seeing the instagram photos you know of the f-14 it's just such a beautiful airplane is that what you flew
1: yeah i i flew the s3 viking okay north island in san diego And actually uh, my college entrance essay was, what is the book or movie that most influenced you? And I did my paper, my essay on Top Gun. And then the interesting thing also is, you'll probably be seeing me in Top Gun Maverick. Uh, It just got postponed till December 24th. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing that coming up. Yeah, that's really cool. So what's what's your role in that? Well, uh, they cast a lot of real naval aviators uh, as pilots, and so we're gonna be in the bar scene. And uh, I'm not supposed to talk about it too much, but you can see it on the trailer, so I'm not giving any secrets away. There's a, a really rockin' uh, bar scene where all okay. the pilots are in their flight suits. And uh, I, I feel like I'll be in three scenes, but uh, no promises, and you, and you never know about the cutting room floor.
0: Right, right, did you get to fly it all for the movie?
1: Oh no, no. <laughs> Also, uh, I was already out of the Navy by then, wow. but I uh, got invited to come and be a part of it. So uh, it, was, it was like a big reunion for all the pilots to get to be on set. I was there for 14 days and it was oh, wow. a blast, yeah.
0: Where did you guys do the, did you do a lot of the filming in the San Diego
1: area? Yeah, so they uh, filmed all over the place. They filmed actually out on aircraft carriers. They filmed, I know at, at LaMore uh that's where they are flying the F18 and then uh we were on North Island
0: oh right on yeah that's really cool so um did they invite a lot of your peers and people that you knew from when you flew
1: yes yes like i said it was a, a reunion for all of us we got to h- hang out in a bar for 14 days just having a blast like talking mm-hmm. about the good old days it was a, it was really a great experience
0: that's really cool so mm-hmm. um so now you're obviously um, prior service now. Um, well, how did you get into, I know you're, you're into kind of the acting and, and singing and, and all that stuff. Like, so how did you make the leap? What was that transition
1: for you? Oh, yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, I had no acting experience my whole life. And then when I was at Duke University, uh, we had our core curriculum requirements with ROTC at, at school. I was a political science major, but I had all of my main courses done, and I, so I had to pick something to do as an elective. And there was intro to acting. I took it, and it was more fun than recess was in grade school. I just had such a great time. Got into that, did some school plays at Duke, did some uh, films at Duke. And I actually, by my senior year, I uh, auditioned for a course called the Senior Seminar, and you, you have to audition and get chosen. Only 10 people make it in the class. And it was myself and nine drama majors, and that was a great experience. And at the end of my um, class and my exit interview with the professor, I had already been selected for a uh, flight school, and I already knew where I was going. And he told me, "You know, out of all my 10 students, the other nine guys, they're all going to L.A. and New York but only one of them has what it takes to make it in Hollywood. And it's you. And I said, yeah, I said, what what are you saying? Are you saying I shouldn't go to flight school? And he said, Doug, I wouldn't wish Hollywood on my worst enemy. (laughs) I I was there for eight years and I almost wanted to kill myself. Go be a Navy pilot, make something of yourself and then come back later and people will respect you and all the doors will open. And I, I actually think his advice was spot on.
0: That's really cool. That's mm-hmm. really cool. So, um, so when you got out of the Navy, did you already have kind of some wheels in motion, like before you got out to, to jump into it? Or were you just kind of like, hey, I'm out and I'll figure it out now?
1: Uh, that's a, another great question. Um, so it would, you would have thought I would have kept the acting thing in the back of my mind. But that's the farthest thing from the truth. I was 100% about flying and doing my military career, just totally ens- ensconced in what I was doing and never really thought about acting at all. And then after the military, I would have to admit, I went through a little bit of a midlife crisis. I had just gone through a divorce. I, she, uh, we, we got a divorce six months before I left the Navy. And so the first thing I did was I disappeared for three years and traveled the world internationally. I went everywhere, Asia, Eastern Europe, Central America, South America. I was surfing, spearfishing, scuba diving, and just having, you know, adventures. And uh, it wasn't until another Navy pilot buddy posted on Facebook that he was going to be on a TV show. And uh, he was, he had flown in the Navy. Now he's a jet blue pilot, but he's also doing acting. So I called him up and he told me, you know, he talked to me for an hour about all the great things he was doing with acting. I ended up uh, staying with him for a month in Santa Monica and the rest is history.
0: That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So um, what, what projects are you working on right now?
1: Well, so I was, uh, um down in San Diego, uh, building up my acting career down there, I found it uh, a lot easier down there. Uh, pretty much, like, almost half the things I'd submit for I'd get. It was uh, very easy. Wow. Um So, you know, getting commercials, short films, building up your reel. Uh, just like uh, athletes have a highlight reel, we, uh, actors need a reel to show them. comedic reel, dramatic reel, commercial reels. So you need to get the experience and be able to uh, put that all together, build up your resume. And as a matter of fact, I just moved to LA. I made the move to LA and I was here for a week and a half before COVID-19 hit. It was my definitely most productive period of time and most lucrative period of time. I got an agent I had two good commercials, things were really happening, auditions were going well, and then uh, COVID-19 hit and it's, uh, this is the only thing on my schedule for like the, the last two weeks. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, the COVID thing has really just thrown everybody's schedule array, huh? I mean, it just, it's just, been, it's been messy. I mean, in my industry, in the mortgage industry, it's, it's turned things on its ear. It's reminiscent in some respects, to like the 2008 time frame from the loan world and kind of the chaos it creates inside the mortgage industry um fortunately it's not the same dire straits as it was then at least in our industry but um but yeah this this covid thing has really really affected everybody um so now do you have family and stuff that are in LA with you or are you just in lockdown by yourself right now
1: no uh, luckily my girlfriend uh lives with me. She moved with me from Coronado up to here. Uh, And so we're just enjoying a little nesting period, getting our apartment squared away and getting used to the area. I uh, ride my beach cruiser all around LA, and there's no traffic, and it's actually quite nice. So it's not not a big problem. And and that's another thing I have uh, going for me is my Navy pension. So unlike most starving actors here, we're not starving
0: so yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it makes it a lot easier when you don't have to worry about a paycheck coming in which is which is tough for actors you know they have no income really and they're just hoping and praying doing everything they can fighting and clawing to get you know the next gig right
1: right right exactly so and then the other thing that uh brought me up to la um i'm good friends with director lawrence rock r-o-e-c-k and he's done uh I met him through the San Diego filmmaker community. He had been living in San Diego. He moved to L.A. and he was like, you need to get up here, you need to get up here. He he was always encouraging me in that regard. And uh, his uh, first two films, uh, it was The Forger uh, starring Scott Hutcherson, Hayden Penetary, Lauren Bacall, and Alfred Molina, who was Doc Doc Octopus in a Spider-Man movie. That was his first movie. And then his second movie was uh, Diablo with Scott, Easter, Scott Eastwood, uh, Clint Eastwood's son, Walton Goggins and Danny Glover. It was a Western filmed up in Calgary. Wow. So he's um, developing his third feature film and I uh, am an investor in it and I've brought in other investors. And uh, through all of that, I've elevated to associate producer. So I'll be on the credits. And uh, so that's the biggest thing I've got going up in LA right now and I continue to work on that as well as bringing in investors. And if uh, people wanna hear more about that, feel free to contact me. My email is litodoug at gmail.com, L-I-T-O-D-O-U-G at gmail.com. And I'd be happy to let you know about the story and what we've got going on with that. We've got tax incentives and all, all this stuff, so it could be a good way for people who aren't in the uh, industry to get involved and see how things are done.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you think, you know, uh, now that you're in that industry, how do you see the industry going forward after the COVID thing? Is there, is there talks amongst your circles as far as, you know, what the expectation is for people going to the movie theater and in that type of things, or what have you heard on your
1: side? Right. Well, it, this, everything is, super dynamic and we're just learning as we go um of course the big winner in all of this is netflix and the other streamers you know because everybody's i I feel like i'm running out of things to watch like i feel like i've watched all the good stuff and uh after two weeks of this and i'm I'm like sick of watching tv myself (laughs) but um but yeah uh i think it's gonna really shake things up um and uh you know the movie theaters are definitely gonna be ones to suffer. And, and they already were on the, de- on the decline. People are uh, watching more at home as it is. So there's uh, good opportunities and bad. The good opportunities is it's a, a bidding war for content for all these multiple stream- streaming services. So for a beginning actor, and as I work my way up as a producer, screenwriter and all that, there should be more opportunity for people starting out like me to get content out into the world and get exposure. So the major studios won't have such a stranglehold on on the industry as they have. So I I think it's a a good thing. Also, as I watch Netflix films, the Netflix originals, I am often uh, not impressed with the quality. the stories and and the actual editing and and everything so um i think that uh there's going to be a lot of opportunity for people like me out there
0: that's really cool that's really cool yeah i think you know with any major event there's you know there's going to be some some negative out fallout from it and and there's definitely going to be some some upside too for different industries it's it's definitely going to reshape things for us no question about that Mm -hmm. Um, so, question for you, you know, in, in your military service, um, is there, is there a memory or a place or an event or anything that really just kind of sticks out or like a prideful moment that you just love about your service?
1: Yeah, i I've got a funny story and then I'll tell you a prideful story. Okay. Um, the funniest story that happened to me, um, I was, uh, doing blue water ops, which means our aircraft carrier is too far away from shore that you could, uh, fly and land on shore. We're stuck out in the middle of the ocean. So you have to land on the aircraft carrier, or you have to uh, ditch the aircraft, which is, uh, flying it into the water and getting out, or you have to eject. So it's definitely a bad situation if you have a emergency that requires that. So what happened to me was, uh, my hydraulics for the flaps weren't working, so I couldn't lower the flaps on the, on the wings. And if you uh, know from flying into any commercial airliner, you, you'll hear the flaps come down, and what that does is it makes it so the aircraft can fly slower and, and it's easier to land. So that means with a no flapper, to do a, a rested landing, I had to fly a lot faster So I had to land my jet at over 200 miles an hour, catching a wire and stopping. So they let everyone land before us. They cleared the area. It's a declared emergency. And instead of doing the spiral landing like normal, I did a long straight in. And everything actually seemed the same to me. And and doing a straight in for a carrier pilot is really easy. Everything looked normal and until I actually caught the wire. Now, sometimes we would wear our oxygen masks, but in this situation, I just had it hanging like this. And I did not have a cold at all. But when I, when I trapped on the wire and hung in my harness, it stopped so suddenly that I was like uh, hanging like this. And two la- laser beams of snot shot out of my nose and smashed into the windshield and like i said i didn't even have a cold but it just was such a sudden stop that it just ripped all the fluid out of my sinuses and just splattered up on the windshield and i actually (laughs) felt very uh loose and free (laughs) i I bet it's pretty exciting exciting
0: time well it's funny about beat sudafed or something like that right (laughs) Exactly, exactly
1: bet it's better than wasabi
0: yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yes. And um for uh prideful moments the thing that I'm most uh proud of is I uh received an air medal for heroic achievement uh, uh air medal for heroic achievement flying a combat mission in the Persian Gulf during Operation Desert Fox and uh I'm definitely proud of that. I I uh, for a while I even had a a, a copy of it. Um, with a magnet on the refrigerator. It's kind of a a fun thing to have. And um, I also got to serve in combat in the CAOC, the Combined Air Operations Center in the uh, Saudi Arabia and Gutter during Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Iraqi Freedom uh, as a combat planner. So we planned all the air missions uh, during those. So it was uh, definitely, uh, great to you know, look back on combat experience. I, I hold that in a place of pride. And then another uh, thing that I'm really proud of is uh, when the uh, U.S. came to the aid of Japan during Operation Tomodachi, they had, suffered a, uh, they had suffered a big earthquake that resulted in a tsunami, which then resulted in a nuclear meltdown. So it it really went from bad to worse for Japan. And um, in that situation, I was on an aircraft carrier and we were in port in Borneo. And I had a a condo that I'd rented and I was out surfing. And when I got back, there was a note on the floor mat to the condo and it said, tsunami, return to the ship immediately. So I, I didn't even shower off, I grabbed my bag I went to the lobby. I said, did you hear about the tsunami? They said, no, what, what? And I go, there's a tsunami coming. I'm checking out now. I jumped in a cab. I got back to the aircraft carrier. When I actually thought that when I was going to the carrier, that like I'd make it just in time and the wave would hit right behind me. I, I was still worried. I ran into the uh, command center and went to my boss. And I said, "Sir, when does the tsunami hit?" And he said, "It already hit." And I'm like, "What?" And he said, "Yeah, it hit in Japan." And I'm like, "Well, why did I have to come back right now?" And he said, "Because we're leaving." And I said, "When are we? When are we leaving?" He goes, "Tonight at midnight." And I, and you know, it was like noon. And I said, "Sir, can I go back and serve?" And he goes, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, oh, <laughs> "No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding." So anyway, we got, we got everybody back on the ship, starts uh, steaming to Japan. They helicoptered me off in Okinawa. Uh, I, I went from the helicopter, uh, got a bathroom break and then right into a Learjet up to mainland Japan. I was the point man uh, to be the liaison back to the carrier to uh, organize all the um, recovery assistance that we provided. Uh, we we had to search for people who had been swept out to sea from the tsunami. Oh, we wow. were yeah we were uh, of course uh, finding people out in far reaching locations, you know, bringing them water and food and blankets. Uh, also, just you know, showing where population groups were uh, clustering together. It was really uh, fast and furious that first week, and we we did so much. And the, and the interesting thing is that um, uh, I got called in and got my butt cheered uh, by, by a, a higher up because Japan was mad at how effective we were in helping them and we were making Japan look bad. And, um, wow. and, you know, and the reason I bring up this uh, story is because I see a lot of the same things going on with COVID-19 you know, where the uh, politicians, you know, there's more to the story than meets the eye. You know, we as military, we just get the job done and, and go, go, go. And we do our best. But at the higher up levels, you know, there's more to it. Japan leadership wanted to save face, even though, hey, don't you care about your people out there that need blankets and water? We're still <laughs> here. We're still ready to help. And I and uh, I see you know, the same kind of thing going on with COVID-19, the bad decisions that are bad for the people on the ground, but good for the people, you know, uh, pulling the the strings. Right, yeah, wow, what an experience, man. Well, um,
0: yeah, I'm sure we could probably talk for hours on on your different experiences um, and and deployments and and so forth. I mean, 20 year careers is got chocked full of those things, right?
1: Yes, um, yes. I-, I wanted to uh, bring up one other thing. Um, I'm good friends with the uh, CEO of Liberty ID, and they've got a program called Humble Heroes. And, uh, and what they do with that is they, uh, they, uh, they provide identity theft restoration. And what they want to do is they want to Provide it to veterans and hopefully active duty, and they're working towards that by getting uh, corporate sponsors, and they have a pledge uh, for you know every seventy-five thousand dollars they bring in, they will hire another veteran. So so they they're helping in two fronts, uh, hiring veterans and then providing identity theft restoration for veterans and um, hopefully active duty, and um, so. If uh, the listeners are interested, I encourage you to go to libertyid.com, and also, uh, family plans are $400 per family per year, but with the, uh, code, the discount code act now, A C T N O W. It'll only be $100 per family per Ah. year. So it's a really good deal. Uh, spread the word about that. And, uh, and please support Liberty ID as they support us.
0: Wow. That's really awesome. That's really cool. I'm glad you're, you're supporting them. Um, well, as we, we kind of conclude here, I wanted to, to get, you know, some advice from you for our listeners. So if we've got somebody who's looking to follow in your footsteps in some manner, you know, and and get into the acting world, what couple of nuggets would you give them that, um, might save them some time or some heartache, uh, you know, based on what you've learned in your experiences so far.
1: Yes, yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Um, I would say uh, there's not too many people I've met in this life who I'd wanna trade places with. I really feel like I've had a blessed life. And I would start from the beginning. I would recommend to a young person to enter the military. I I think it's the best. Um, so. That really provided a foundation for me that I'm very proud of, and it prepared me for the success that will come after the military. Working for admirals, working for commodores, uh, doing diplomatic things on behalf of the US government is the best preparation you could ever have. Uh, And of course, aspire to get your education so you can become an officer uh, 100%. And in terms of Acting, I do uh, go back to the advice of Professor Randy Reinholds, uh, go be a success in the Navy, and then all the doors will open. I, I really feel that way. I feel like uh, all the other actors who show up after high school or college, they all show up at the same time in their career, and they, they all you know, burn out in, in a year or two. And uh, I feel like uh, I'm all set with my military pension my experience, most roles I go for, I've already done it. You know, I've, I've seen it all, done it all. I'm ready for any role. So um, it goes back to the military 100%. And, uh, and then uh, just like the military, you have to build. Uh, you have to build your craft. Um, the, you know, your podcast is armed and ready. So an actor has to be armed and ready, taking the classes. Uh, doing the student films, you know, getting the experience, uh, working, working your way up, uh, the set etiquette, uh, where the director is, you know, calls the shot and you, you know, I'm, uh, I'm used to being, uh, in charge as a lieutenant commander, but I also work for admirals. So I treat a director like an admiral and, and I'm a soldier for him and, um, and the, the uh, pilot who got me involved in Hollywood acting, he uh, likened uh, being an actor to being a pilot. On the aircraft carrier, everything is designed for, to help us do our mission. The ship is located where we need to launch and recover. The uh, maintenance guys have our planes ready to go. The ordnance guys load up the weapons we need, and then we get to go fly and, and do the thing. And that's the exact same thing that happens when you're making a movie. There's so many support people behind the scenes, doing the lights, doing the sounds, doing the editing. And once again, I'm in the fun position of being the pilot or being the actor.
0: Yeah, that's a really good analogy. And I think, you know, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, you're not going to come day one into acting and be, you know, the star role in a big blockbuster, right? I mean, um, same as when you entered the military, you didn't start out as a lieutenant commander, right? I mean, you know, you, you, have to, to earn your way into that stuff. And, um, it's not so much about putting in the time as it is really just learning, right. And, and growing into that, you know, there's a certain amount of knowledge and maturity and, and experience that just needs to come along with reaching those other levels, whether it's in acting or the military or whatever. So, um, that's, that's a really good analogy that you have there. and um hopefully really helpful for our listeners that are looking to pursue, you know, anything in the acting world. But I think it just pertains to life in general too. It's just good life wisdom, right? Um, you know, if, if everybody could, was supposed to be a CEO, you'd be a CEO, you know, but you know, not, not everyone's cut out to be the CEO. Right. Um, and so there's um, a lot of wisdom in that. Well, um, Doug, we, We really appreciate you spending some time with us here on armed and ready today. Um, I hope our listeners enjoyed it. I certainly did. I think it's really cool. We can look forward to seeing you on the big screen with Top Gun Maverick. And um, we'll keep our eyes peeled for the bar scene. That sounds like a lot of fun. And um, again, we just appreciate you carving out some time for us and um, sharing with our listeners a little bit about your story and and what you're doing. It's really exciting and just an absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Yes. Thank you. And, if anyone wants to follow my career more closely, uh, please uh, follow me on Instagram, Doug underscore Lito, ito underscore L-I-T-O. And then you can see uh, what's coming up next, what movies are coming, what commercials I've, I'm putting out, and uh, all that. I definitely appreciate all the support.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks to our listeners for uh, checking in another episode of Armed and Ready Podcast. If you have any questions or need to get in touch, with us, you can reach me at
1: ealongai.us Take care.